Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church New Bern podcast. My name is Paul Scott Chernitsky, and I am your host. I am joined again by my co-host, the <laughs> Reverend Dr. A.P. Anna Pinkney-Straight. It is delightful to be here with you. If this is your first podcast, um, I my intro is so has so many you know titles and AP Anna Pinkney, and it's just because um, it, it's fun, but yes. also because some comments on YouTube that they sort of did it. Like someone commented on YouTube one time and said like AP yeah. something different. So now I just like intertwine them all together. I, I think that's a way because in all honestly, you know that I'm a captive audience here. In life, I go by Anna. Yeah, pretty much everyone just knows there's Anna, so this is just the time to really get it out there. Yes, because I really, you are far enough away from me that I cannot jerk the microphone away. Well, we're in December, and if you're listening to this, you had Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving? It was awesome. I turkey trotted. I went home. I watched the parade, the dog show. I read a whole book. I ate an amazing meal with people I love. Um, It was fantastic. How not, about yours? I mean, mine was great. It was very relaxing. Not to bring you down, but you know how like I don't I don't uh, like comics or Paul Seinfeld. Like, you know, one thing I really hate. I mean, I also don't like turkey or mashed potatoes, but that's beside the point. What I really hate is marathons. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I did not run a marathon. A not even close. Trip. Isn't that the turkey trip? Five yeah, k. Close enough. Five k. Three miles, not nearly. And there were a bunch of church people who were running. I mean, we, we weren't a team, but I got to see a did, bunch of church Did you folks. shut down major streets and, and whatever city I live in across my whole life? Is that Did you guys do that? No, we were in Taberna. Okay, all right, that's better. It was fine. You, Although I wish, I grew up doing the turkey trot with my dad in downtown Charleston. Yeah, exactly. There you were. There you were blocking the major the, arterials. Awesome, because downtown's so crowded, I don't ever go there. So it would give me a chance to see downtown, and I wish we could do that in downtown New Bern. But that is not a complaint, because I do not organize that race, and the people who do do a beautiful job. So I am happy to go wherever they want me to go. Okay, well, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, another holiday tradition then for me, I just wanted to ask, and maybe I'm putting you on the spot, but I wanted to ask like, so I, there were so many, we had those days off for Thanksgiving. I had five days off Mm -hmm. and some of those days were beautiful and sunny and some of those days were like rainy and miserable. And I, so I was wondering if there was a Bible um, example of what I did. I was supposed to put up my Christmas decorations and during the, this is like Casey at bat. Like I mm-hmm. waited through the sunny days, like, no, not going to do it today. I've got five days. And then I waited again another day. Oh, it's sunny. I could do it, but I've got four more days. And then the day I waited to do it, it was like, whoosh, whoosh, it was rainy. The roof got slippery and then I couldn't do it. I like procrastinated. Do um, not put the Lord, your God to the test. Is that the thing? And you know what's funny is in the sermon, we just recorded the sermon mm-hmm. uh, for this week. And I feel like at the end, you were talking to me. You were like, <laughs> you, I feel like you were talking to me, right? You, you, you were like, you're enough. You don't have to, you yeah. know, yeah. But I still feel like I made a mistake. Um, well, I would not say mistake. Um, you did fine. You. Oh, well, and they're still not up yet because it's dark when I get home every day. So I guess this weekend, but man, I'm an early, we, that's what's different about us. I'm an early decorator, but I'm missing it. I'm missing it. I'm holding guess myself what, to Scott, high guess standards Guess what I here. have outside my house? What? A Christmas tree. 
What? So early? Yeah. Well, we had a connection, someone who could get us one, a live one, because now people decorate so early, it's hard to find one in the middle of December. I heard they're kind of expensive, too. Yeah. Well, we we don't do anything extravagant. I mean, it's a luxury, no doubt, but um, but we found a tree and someone delivered it to us and it's outside our house. So it's in a bucket because we're going to wait until our daughter's home from college to decorate. So because really, is it decorating if I can't embarrass someone with all of the ornament stories? I hope she's listening. She's probably not. She's probably not. But I, that's my favorite part. Like, remember this We could just this play ornament? this episode when she's home, just on the... Just I think on. that's a genius idea, Paul yeah. Scott. Well, she, well, all of a sudden we're talking about her. She will I, be delighted. I'm looking at the schedule and um, coming up then is the Hanging of the Greens. We still need volunteers? Yes, absolutely. That will be at five... Sorry, not five o'clock in the morning. That will be at nine o'clock in the morning. It's um, And we want people to bring greenery. We want them to bring their bow tying skills, their Whoa. clippers. It, and really, you don't have... I have no skills. Let's be honest about that. But it's a fun day. You're hanging greenery. There's always a lot to do. And and it's just a really, it's a fun day to be here at the church. All right. And that's December 9th, 9 a.m. Volunteer Friday needed. morning. These are live greens. It makes the place smell amazing. Oh, yeah. We talked about it last week. And then on Saturday, we're on the, the Newburn Women's Club. We're on the home tour, the historic home tour. It's the first time they've had a church included what? on the tour. What day did, wait, is that? That's Saturday the 10th. Nice. Okay. Home tour. Awesome. And then Sunday, it's Advent Sunday, but we also have our candlelight service in the evening, which is choirs and handbells and all kinds of wonderful things. So a lot of things going on. It's pretty awesome. Well, I was going to talk a little bit about the the sermon, but I feel like we talked enough. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a lot of stumps in it. There are a lot of stumps. And I I read from a book that's not my favorite. What is that book? the Giving Tree. When by you brought Shell. it up, I thought, "Oh, how this is nice." She's talking about a book, a, a kids' book. I love kids' books, and I can I can nope. picture the the cover, but admittedly, I've never. It read works, it. and if you listen to the sermon carefully, I'm throwing shade. Ooh. I am throwing shade on the story. This is a hot take. It, oh. it, you know, I'm throwing shade on that boy who keeps taking from that tree. Okay. Um, however, if you go online, you can find all sorts of alternative endings to The Giving Tree and even illustrations that are quite lovely and wonderful. All right. Well, we hope you have a great week. Go find those alternate endings yes. and maybe it won't be so um, negative toward this book. It's kind of spicy take. Well, you know, I'm just being honest here, keeping it 100. That's what you're supposed to do, preacher. (laughs) Everybody have a great week, and we will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Let us pray. Your word, holy God, was written for our instruction. By your Holy Spirit, open our ears and fill us with the mysteries of your ancient love. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. For our scripture reading today, we begin with the Gospel of Matthew and then we turn to Isaiah. From Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan, 
and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say for yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And now from Isaiah, the 11th chapter. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with his breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to his peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In Shel Silverstein's book, The Giving Tree, we hear the story of an apple tree who gives all that she has to a boy who seems there being no evidence to the contrary, quite comfortable taking everything she has. Leaves, apples, branches, even her trunk. With each gift, the boy goes away, returning only when he wants something more. The final time, the boy returns to the tree, for there is nothing left to him to take. For there is nothing left for him to take. Nothing he can use. Nothing she can do for him. She is now only a stump. These are the words of the story. And after a long time, the boy came back again. I am sorry, boy, said the tree. I have nothing left to give you. My apples are gone. My branches are gone. My trunk is gone. I am sorry. I wish that I could give you something, but I have nothing left. I am just an old stump. I am sorry. I am just an old stump. The people of Israel 
Isaiah tells us, are a stump. A stump which, by definition, is a terminated place from which nothing can grow. My friend and fellow Presbyterian preacher, Penn Peary, provides this context. It is first Isaiah and judgment is close at hand. The crisis is clear from the beginning of Isaiah's prophecy. The people are estranged from their God. They are heavily engaged in Torah disobedience. Instead of advocating for the widows, the oppressed, and the orphans, God's people have turned aside and made the needy their spoils. Yahweh is disgusted with the greedy accumulation of house and field at the expense of neighbor, and further enraged by Judah's attempt to glaze their choices in the drippings of piety. Judgment is Yahweh's answer to such transgressions, judgment at the hands of the Assyrians. God will remove the hedge so that Jerusalem will be devoured. The holy city will be laid to waste. They will become a stump. They will become a stump, but even at this stage of the story, there is more. Even when Isaiah is proclaiming judgment, even as Isaiah proclaims judgment, there is a word of hope. Israel's reality, their immediate future may be as a stump, but their future holds a promise that a shoot will come from it, a signal, a banner, a sign, and it will be born because of the Spirit of God. A shoot shall come from the stump of Jesse, not because they deserve it or are ready for it, but because with God all things are possible, like growing where there is nothing to grow from. But it means that there is more to come. A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse, a king. The Davidic monarchy shall be restored. Even in the middle of despair, Isaiah reminds them that there is hope. Their God is still their God. And while we Christians hear these words and we set our minds on Bethlehem and Joseph and Mary and Jesus, that part of the legacy of David, Isaiah had something closer in mind. This text is not only a Christian text, it is also a Hebrew text, a Jewish text, and a complete text in and of itself. Rabbi Margaret Moore's Winnig preaches and reminds us, you see, to Jews, Isaiah's promise of redemption speaks not only of the advent of the Messiah at the end of time, but also of our recurring experience of redemption through time. We believe that Isaiah's promise has already been fulfilled time and time again. Whenever our people have been felled and new shoots have miraculously appeared. At the time of Cyrus, our exiles were restored to Jerusalem as Isaiah prophesied. After the Romans exiled us from Jerusalem, once again, seeds of Jewish life were carried by the wind and academies of Jewish learning sprouted in new towns. After our equally devastating expulsion from Spain in 1492, 150,000 Jews planted new roots in Amsterdam, Constantinople, Cairo, and the Americas. And today, just a few decades after Hitler attempted to make all of Europe Judean, tiny shoots of European Jewish life push through the rubble towards the sun. These words from Isaiah mean something apart from Jesus. 
But for us, for Christians, they point us towards Jesus. 700 years after the time of Isaiah, the people are once again in stump land. They're conquered, they're lost, they are ruled by the Romans, defeated. And there are many in their midst who are not sure if they have been forgotten by God or not. And when they feel forgotten, they turn to the words of Isaiah, words written in a time, but not bound by time. Matthew knew that these prophecies from Isaiah were written for a particular context when he attached them to Jesus, starting with a genealogy that establishes Jesus within the house of Jesse, chapter 1, bringing us to John the Baptist in chapter 3, which quotes Isaiah, establishes Jesus' lineage within this path. Matthew didn't remove the meaning from Isaiah, he adds to it, for a time in which people needed to know that God was still working, that God could still work, even with a stump. God would send a shoot, a son, a Christ, to a place that felt bereft and devastated, even, even to a people who still needed to repent. Even there, even then, God sent a son, even to those who were bearing no fruit and were trees that should be chopped down, even to them, Jesus would come. Were they ready? Were they worthy? John the Baptist, a truth teller among truth tellers, calls them a brood of vipers. It is not a compliment. But even to them, Jesus would come and be a signal of God's love and persistence and grace. In the words of Madeline Alingle, there that was no time for a child to be born in a land and the crushing grip of Rome. Honor and truth were trampled by scorn, yet here did a Savior make his home. We don't live in the time of Isaiah. We don't even live in the time of John the Baptist. But these words echo still. They live still because, in part, of the good news that has been, the story of faith and how the love of God has been woven betwixt and between us here and now and continues to come, this is a word for us now too. And I imagine that for each one of us who finds it difficult to imagine living in a world of 2,000 or 2,500 years ago, that there are many in our midst who do not find it difficult to imagine what it feels like to be a stump to feel lost or cut off or overwhelmed. And there may be no more stump-prone season than this one in which we are right now, when even the most prudent planners, even the most organized in our midst, have more to do than they have time to do it in. When because of the lengthening list from those who might visit or planning to visit, even those who are apt to feel alone, might feel forgotten. This is a season when grief seems so close to the surface. This time of year when joy is mandated, and even when there is good reason for joy. I know that people also carry heaviness at this time of season, and that it can be both happy and difficult to find that happiness. 
and that sometimes the real task of this season is to find ways in which we can allow the joy and the grief to cohabitate and to allow multiple emotions to exist in our hearts and in our lives. This is a stump-prone season when even the most organized and planners in our midst can feel overwhelmed, much less if you aren't a planner or feel like you are overly organized. It can be a stump-prone season for those for whom the job has disappeared and no new job is appearing on the horizon. When the pregnancy test has come up negative again, the realization that the relationship might be broken and might not be fixable. Parents who are requiring increasing care and attention while at the same time, there are children who are requiring increasing care and attention. The class or the exam that has proven to be more than you can handle. The diagnosis that drowns out everything else. The empty place at the table, aging, feeling unsure that you can live as you want to live. And you are increasingly living with griefs you do not know how to accommodate. This is a stump prone season and I suspect you know this. More than one of you I know has this particular signature line in your emails. Be kinder than necessary for everyone you meet is fighting some kind of battle. So these words from Isaiah, these words which are echoed in Matthew, they aren't just words for other times. They are words for us now and too. They allow us to learn from what has come before and they point to what is ahead and the reminder that there is still the possibility of life and a balm and a hope and a promise. People look east, we sing. Love is on the way not to wipe out everything that has come before, but to help us understand it in new ways, with new possibilities. It may be a sign of life that we cannot see ourselves, but is pointed out by someone we love, a fellow traveler, or it may be a sign that we witness for someone else. These ancient words of Isaiah echoed in Matthew are for us too, and they remind us of something so important in this season, that the shoot arises from the stump, not because we get everything done, not because we are perfectly ready, but that Jesus will come again in spite of all of that. So I tell you, if your list is long and you are weary, take something off of the list. Jesus will come again. If the expectations for yourself or for someone else are higher than can be reached, stop accept expecting so much because Jesus will come again. If you make a mistake, if something doesn't turn out the way you'd hoped and you're feeling disappointed, be graceful with yourself. Jesus will come again, and it will not be contingent on whether or not you have gotten everything done. It will not be contingent on whether everything is done the way you want it to be done. Claim time. Claim time in this season to play, to remember those that you are missing, to acknowledge grief, to care, to care for someone else, maybe even to care for yourself. Be silent in this busy season. Pray, watch, watch for sprigs of hope. 
sprigs of hope that will grow where you least expect them as a sign of God's continued love. Madeline Alingle again. When is the time for love to be born? The inn is full on planet Earth, yet love still takes the risk of birth. As one of my favorite commentaries on these passages concluded, the new possibilities depend on the wind, which the stump cannot withstand. That wind is blowing. Advent is our decision to trust the new wind against the hopeless stump of what has failed. Love still takes the risk of birth. We are not stump bound. That is true today, just as it was true 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, today and tomorrow. Thanks be to God. Jesus will come again. Amen. Remember that with God all things are possible and that God does not wait for us to be ready or done or everything to our satisfaction to be born here on earth. So give yourself grace, give yourself hope, and know that with God all things are possible. Thanks be to God. Amen.